God was conspiring against us. He didn't want us to talk about Maryland football's offseason, but the Testudo Times podcast returns after my house nearly got destroyed by a tornado. It didn't. I'm still sitting on my couch where I usually am. Uh, joining me today is only one person who's about to go to Europe, as I'm about to leave for somewhere else. Alex Kirster. Hi, Alex. Hey, Matt. How are you? It's been a while. What have you it been doing been. the last couple of months? Or months? Uh, you know, I've just been uh, doing a little work on campus and a little bit of stuff in D.C. as well. Um, or you keeping see- myself busy kind of wilting in this heat here and uh, making some trips back and forth home. I, you know, I went home for uh, my brother's high school graduation a couple days ago. So I, I've been able to um, do a little bit of fun stuff. Saw the Pirates get beaten on by the Nationals uh, in Did, person. Were you times. secretly Jose Tabata leaning into that pitch? You know, I think we were all Jose Tabata at that moment. <laughs> Nobody wants the Nationals to throw a no-hitter or a perfect game, excuse me. Anyway, we've got to yeah. talk about Maryland-related things. I don't want to talk about the Nationals. It makes me think about the Mets, and I don't want to go on rants about that. I've already had enough man-made disasters today as it is. Uh, let's talk about Maryland football. Speaking of disasters, this offseason is getting a bit iffier and iffier by the day. Juwan Winfrey, who was suspended again from the team, has now been kicked off. So if you think about it, Maryland's top five receivers from last year all are not going to be participating this season. It's going to be on Tavon and Laverne Jacobs, Daniel Adams, and then fill in the blank. I, I don't know who's honest. Adams is gone, too, I think. Adams is Adams gone, too? Gone. He caught that one touchdown against Michigan State. Adams is gone. Who's this guy? Oh, so it's Tavon and Laverne Jacobs and then a bunch of people. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of guys who, who have some experience. I think the Jacobs brothers are probably the two highest end receivers that have left. Um, Ambed Atawa has been around for a while now and he's got some ability. Um, and then it's, it's going to be a lot of guys who, uh, haven't contributed in the past and who, you know, either have, have kind of been on the bench behind the, the best talent that they've had at receiver or just guys who haven't even been in the program. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of uncertainty at that position. Give us a few names that we should be looking out for because it's inevitable because it's Maryland that some of these guys, these inexperienced guys, these new guys to the program are going to have to step up and play big roles because it's Maryland. And the the likelihood that those three stay healthy or hopefully out of trouble this season is slim to none. I'm going to go with injuries because it's Maryland. So who are some of these players that do you think are going to have to step up this year at the wide receiver position? I think for Maryland, it would be really nice if Will Ulmer, uh, a great athlete who redshirted as a freshman last year, he was a quarterback. They converted him to wide receiver. Uh, some say he's the fastest guy on the team. He'll be playing receiver this year. Um, if they could get something out of him, uh, that would be huge. If they could get something out of Malcolm Comer, uh, who's been a depth option for the last two seasons, uh, if they could get something out of a freshman like DJ Moore, um, who's coming in from Philadelphia this year. He'll be a true freshman. Uh, from DeAndre Lane, who's only five foot eight, but he was a former defensive back who can run a bit. He'll be a junior. Um, I think I've really just named Jarvis Davenport, another freshman who will be, and I think I've just named almost all of their receivers, if not quite all of them. Um, a lot of uncertainty, but you know, you would think that uh, the Jacobs brothers should be pretty good. Um, Ahmed Atawa should be all right. And then after that, you would hope that one or two guys uh, can step in and, and be pretty good. You know, you never know, um, but just kind of, uh, you know, natural selection, right? You know, somebody's going to survive. And, uh, that, you know, the hope would be that because so, so many of these guys haven't had a lot of experience that they'll develop pretty quickly once they start to get it. 
How concerned are you about the lack of depth at this position? Is it the big? It's not the biggest worry on this team by far. But how concerned are you when this was a position of relative strength into the offseason? And yeah. now, and now it's looking just about as iffy as many other positions on this team. I think ultimately, if Maryland's quarterback situation works out well, its wide receiver situation will work out fine. Uh, that's, as you alluded to, a, a far bigger question for this team. Um, a lot of teams, especially in the Big Ten, have elite NFL caliber receiving talent. Um, Maryland certainly did last year and, and has for even four, four or five years going back to you know, the Kevin Dorsey days. Um, but if, if Caleb Rowe or Dax Garman or Perry Hills or whoever uh, turns out to – or Shane Cockerell turns out to have some success at quarterback, uh, then I think – the picture for the wide receivers starts to look a lot brighter. Okay. Uh, and that goes for, you know, pretty much any team. So it's, it's sort of a truism and, you know, it's not that out there to, to say something like that, but I think it'll, it'll come down to who's throwing the ball and how well uh, that quarterback's protected by an offensive line. Oh, we've talked a lot about Caleb Rowe on this show. We're going to talk a lot more about Caleb Rowe on this show in the future. And we've also talked plenty about the offensive line. So I think it's all got to come together. But the wide receivers, that was a place where we could say, this is a strong area. Maryland's got enough depth to survive injuries, and now it's a bit more concerning. On the positive side, there is a transfer to a position of weakness. Jefferson Ashiru, former UConn transfer linebacker, uh, mm. is going to have one year of eligibility. He's going to play this year. Uh, what does he add to a position that Maryland had relatively little depth on? I mean, he adds certainly size and experience, even though I mean, he's not huge for, for a linebacker. I think he's listed at 6'2", 230. Uh, but, you know, he's played in a major conference for a couple of years. I, I know Randy Edsel has some familiarity with him. Uh, and I would think, uh, I believe it's Daryl Perkins, the coach who they brought over from UConn's defense, probably has some familiarity with him too. Um, don't know a lot about him, but, you know, I would expect it, especially because Maryland – uh, on the edges, really right now, it's pretty much Yannick Ngakwe and Jesse Annabonum. Um, having a third guy uh, with serious Division One experience there uh, probably helps a lot. And, and I should mention Roman Braglio, too, though I'm not sure if he'll be uh, on the interior or if they'll put him on the ends. But, you know, it, it can't, can't do anything but help. Well, you also talk about the chips to a 4-3 defense from 3-4. Is he, right. he, I'm not familiar with a ton of his position, but I think he said outside linebacker. I think that's that's a fair assessment. Do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean he's you know he's two, if he's if he's really 230 pounds, uh, he's not playing with his hand in the grass in the Big Ten. No. Um, so I, I would think that he probably would play uh, at an outside linebacker position, which, by the way, is not where uh, you would figure Ngakwe or. Uh, Anna Bonham are going to be. You think they'll be the guys with their hands in the Yeah, they'll the be stand-up 4-3 DNs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, an, an edge rusher who who maybe can, you know, given that he's not too big, you you would think maybe he'd be able to move a little bit and give him something in, in pass protection uh, in his own scheme, uh, which Maryland, by the way, had, had virtually none of last year with Matt Robinson being uh, injured as, as often as he was. Yes. Um, so if he could give him any of that, that would be certainly a plus. What are the expectations for him? Just individual expectations. What do you think? It's really hard to, to calibrate those at this point just because he's uh, hasn't been here. I mean, I've, I've never watched him. Um, but I would think that the expectation would be that he'd play and contribute, and that's about as, uh, that's about as vague as it could be. But, um, 
you know, we'll have to see where he fits. I mean, remember, Maryland has uh, a number of other linebackers uh, who, who can play that position. Um, you know, Jalen Brooks will be around. Uh, Savon Walker will be around. Um, Abner Logan, him too. Abner Logan will be around. Jermaine Carter will be around. Um, so they've got a lot of guys who uh, have been in the program and who have some pedigree. Um, Brock Dean's another guy. Uh, Namdi Akbaba is another guy. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he fits. But I would think he'd fit somewhere. I like how we were basically reading off names today. That that that's inspiring. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, we need yeah, to do it. It's, it's we need to do call. it. It is still around. But how many of these names do you think the average Maryland fan has heard? Because I know I'm a pretty big Maryland fan. A lot of these names are new to me. So, well, most of the guys that I just mentioned have been around the program. Um, They've been depth. If I if I actually look down the roster, there's you know Tyler Burke as well, uh, who redshirted last year. Uh, Avery Thompson is still around. So you know Maryland's got uh, almost no starting experience at the linebacker position, or in fact, in fact, no starting. experience at the position now that Ngakwe has been moved to the line. Um, but they got a lot of guys who have at least been in the program, which uh, shouldn't be just discounted and does make it easier to, to call up their names. Yeah, so let's move on to some recruiting. Maryland had some uh, interesting recruiting. I think they got a safety that committed to them, Mike Vitti, if the name's uh-huh. familiar. Yes, so, but we're all wondering about the big name on the board when, since we've been talking about it a lot because of Dwayne Haskins and the movement, Trevon Diggs. It was one of the questions we got today. Sorry that we are, again, posting this on short notice. We're both traveling tomorrow, tomorrow being Wednesday. So what, from Nate Clotter on Twitter, what are the odds we land Trevon Diggs? I haven't been following this as closely. I think he was offered by Alabama, or he went to visit Alabama, was one of the two. Yeah, I he's think he's still, yeah. He's still a bit of a Maryland lean. What do you think the odds are that he, that he comes to Maryland? Uh, people whose uh, opinions on these things I tend to trust uh, think it's pretty strong. Uh, I think 89 or 90% of the 24-7 crystal ball predictions uh, have him coming to Maryland. Uh, he is extremely close with Dwayne Haskins. That's obvious. Uh, and, you know, it, it would probably be silly to just say that because Dwayne Haskins has said this is a package deal, um, necessarily means it's a package deal but it could very well mean it's a package deal um and and you can't discount that he is local uh his brother did go here uh so i I would expect that on july 4th when when trevon diggs announces where he's going uh that he's going to say it's the university of maryland obviously impossible to get inside a kid's head like that don't really know it's nothing more than a hunch based on what others have said um but it would it would sure be uh, a nice thing for maryland if they could get him to sign. Let's talk a little bit about what he could bring quickly uh, before we move on to other things. What does he, what would he bring to the program? I mean, he's a great name. He's a highly touted recruit, another highly touted recruit that would be that would look really good in Edsel's resume, considering how bleak 2015 is looking. But so what do you think he's going to bring to the program if he comes, of course? Uh, he'd bring you know great athleticism, the kind of athleticism that uh, Maryland probably hasn't recruited since the last digs committed to Maryland a couple years ago. Um, I think he'd be someone who'd be a candidate to contribute a lot on special teams like his brother did. Uh, I know he's, he's classified as a defensive back. Um, I think Maryland could use him all over the field. And I honestly think Maryland could probably use him a wide receiver um, if, if it so chose. Um, you know, so he'd be, he'd be a nice tool in the toolbox. Um, you know, he, he can do so many things. Uh, he's supposed to be a really smart player. Uh, he has a really good understanding of the game. And obviously he's got the bloodlines. Uh, to be really good. So uh, I would think that uh, he'd do a lot. 
Diggs' name is pretty good at Maryland. I will always remember him when it, this year we're looking at receivers that they can't do nearly what he did. Let's talk now about basketball. Another question from Adam Thomas on Twitter. Does Rashid Suleiman need to step up as a scorer this year, or will, it be the, will he be the go-to lockdown defensive guy? Uh, Varun Ram is the go-to lockdown defensive guy. Don't get that right. wrong. But will he be the second go-to lockdown defensive guy? I do think that Suleiman should be the best perimeter defender Maryland has. Um, he's going to face virtually nobody who is as athletic as he is. Um, he's going to face virtually nobody who has as much big-time college basketball experience as he has. Uh, so there's no reason uh, that Suleiman shouldn't be a great, great defender. Um, and I, I do think that's going to be maybe the most important thing he does just because uh, Maryland's got – five, six, seven quality scoring options. Uh, not that Maryland doesn't have good perimeter defenders, um, but in terms of guards, I mean, you know, Mellon Trimble can play some defense. Uh, you know, Nickens and Wiley, Jared Nickens and Deion Wiley were, were certainly works in progress on defense last year. Um, that's where Suleiman will be the most uniquely effective for this team, but I think he'll score plenty of points as well. Do you think he needs to, what do you think the value, the range of points he needs to score? How many do you think he needs to average a game? Or is that, because Nickens is going to come off the bench. Yeah, he'll, mean, he'll do his spot shooting corner three stuff, and Maryland will have much more of an interior presence that can score. How much do you think he's going to need to score per game if Maryland's going to be consistently winning? I don't think that it's really possible to put a, a raw points per game number on it. Um, and I don't think, especially on a team like this, I mean, he could. He could shoot one for ten some game, and Maryland could still have a very good chance to win uh, because they'll have four, five, six other guys uh, who could be putting the ball in the in the basket on that given night. Um, I would think that if he could shoot uh, like he did from three last season uh, and kind of refine some of his around the basket scoring that gave him periodic problems over his time at Duke, uh, I would think you know shoot somewhere around forty-ish percent from the field. Um, and, and a similar mark from three, um, you know, 70, 80% at the foul line, just looking for efficiency because there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to shoot. Uh, and I think Suleiman should be able to give him something along those lines. He doesn't need to be the star on this team, which at times he was for Duke. Not last year, of course, but when he was a freshman, of course, he was a star. It's, he's going to be the best perimeter defender on this team, and that was one of the areas that Maryland had a weakness last it season. Was. absolutely. And, how dramatically or how much is he going to improve the perimeter defense from just a consistent starting five basis? Because we all remember watching Yogi Ferrell hit all those threes and just saying, again? Yeah, um, he'll help a lot just because uh, of his versatility. I mean, he can guard point guards, he can, he can guard shooting guards, uh, and in the college game he can certainly guard um, guys who are going to play, play the small forward position. Um, you know, he's, I think Suleiman's listed as 6'4", or 6'5", is that correct? I think um, so. And he's, he's, a great, he's a great leaper, very, very athletic. Um, so no matter what the matchup is, um, Rashid Suleiman will be one of the toughest players to score against that any elite player sees all year. And, and that'll, you know, that counts people like, say, Yogi Ferrell. One of the things in basketball we haven't had a chance to talk about all that much on here is the ch- rules changes. The shortening of the shot clock, among other things. Uh-huh. I think we had a piece on uh, Testudo Times recently <laughs> about what the rules changes are going to do for Maryland. Let's talk about it a little bit here. What do you think the rules changes do to affect this team? We already knew it was going to be an incredibly good offensive team. Does it make it any even scarier, let's say? Um, I don't really think it, it changes a lot for Maryland. Um, 
I've kind of been of the opinion that shortening the shot clock to 30 seconds from 35 is really just a cop-out to create what looks like more offense but really is not um, better offense in any way. Um, you know, this will add a handful of possessions per game. Um, and what that could mean is that teams with good endurance, teams who uh, have the physical fitness to play more trips up and down the court throughout the game, that they'll be better at the end of games. I could certainly see that. Um, you know, and, and Maryland should have some athletes who should be w- pretty well conditioned, so it could help them there. Um, but really, I, I just think it might hurt Maryland a little bit less than other teams because Maryland has the kind of guys who can create offense immediately. Um, they've never been a, a probing passing team, um, but they do have guys like Melo Trimble, like Rashid Suleiman, like Jake Lehman, uh, and certainly you would think like Robert Carter and Diamond Stone, uh, who can get the ball and create offense either off the dribble or immediately in the post and just score. Uh, and if you can do that in 35 seconds, you can do that in 30. Other teams don't have uh, that many good players where if things aren't opening up in a possession, um, you know, they don't have to worry about running out of time. What about some of the other rules changes? I, some of them have passed my brain by, but what are some of the other rules yeah. changes and how they can affect uh, how they can affect Maryland this season? Um, I think the restricted area was expanded. Um, you know, you would think that that would open up a little bit of uh, real estate around the hoop, uh, and, I, and I'm actually I'm all for creating more space in the lane. Uh, I think that that's one of the things that actually is a legitimate critique of college basketball. Um, is that sometimes the lane gets a little bit clogged and nothing really flows and it's not pretty to watch. That's um, true. Those, those are the two that I've thought about. What, and there might have been, oh, there's a, I know there's a fewer timeouts carryover, which I'm all for. If it makes um, the games move faster. faster. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that, that's not going to help any one team in particular. I mean, that's just something that I think makes the game better for fans and certainly we have to be for that. Uh, and I know that there's some... I think referees are now able to call for media timeouts within X amount of seconds from you know the the 16, the 12, the 8, the 4, um, which could just simplify things. So um, no real problems with any of those other things. I, I just think the shot clock change, um, which for that matter I actually don't have a huge problem with, I, I just think it's, it's nothing but a band-aid. I don't think that itself does anything to really make the game uh, look better or, or be more fun. Are you in favor of it going to 24 in college? Uh, 24 seems, I mean, I, it's, I, I think teams will adapt. So I think it'll be what it is. It's not going to be a huge deal. Um, college players are not as good as professionals. Uh, so I think things could actually turn into a bit of a slop fest if it went down to 24. Um, I I don't, I really don't even think 30 is a bad number. I think it's a completely reasonable number. Um, I just think that substantively the other things the NCAA could do, uh, things like widening the lane, pulling back the three point arc. Um, I, I think those would make more of a difference in terms of changing the game to make it more more fun for fans and more free flowing. We've talked. Uh, Jay Billis has talked a lot about moving the NCAA to the double to the international rules. I almost said double IHF. I'm thinking of hockey. Pardon me. Pardon me. Uh, is that the an- is that the answer for this this question, or is it something else? Quit last up. To, uh, I don't know. Last that's up a, that's a heavy conceptual question. That'd be really interesting. Maybe um, that's one of our summer podcasts. I, I don't really see it happening because uh, the NBA is sort of. Uh, uh, excuse me, the NCAA, um, whether it wants to admit it or not, has become really a, a pipeline to the NBA. And I don't think uh, I don't think NBA executives would be too keen on the NCAA changing its style of play to make players be in less of a like-minded environment to what they'll see in the pros. Um, you know, it doesn't seem likely to me, but it could be interesting. 
All right, let's get to another basketball question. And I love this. Underscore Y underscore B, or I think at underscore Y and underscore B on Twitter, asks, how depressed will I be if the Terps don't win the title next year and then Mello and Diamond Stone leave? The answer is you'll be really depressed. You're going to be very depressed, and you're going to tell us how depressed you are. It's basically what I have my answer to that. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that at some point later on in the year when we start getting really knee-deep into the basketball previews. But, yeah, this is kind of the one-and-done year. If it doesn't happen this year, it might not happen for a while. Well, I think it's, it's true that this is Maryland's one year where, you know, the Terps are going to be one of the top five teams in the country. And it certainly is as good a shot as they'll ever have uh, at making or winning a Final Four. Uh, but And this is a credit to, to Mark Turgeon. I don't think that Maryland uh, just reverts back to where it was four years ago uh, if there is not a national championship parade. Uh, after this year. I think that given what Maryland has retained over the last two years, uh, they'll be in a position to be nothing less than a pretty good, uh, very likely top 25 team, uh, no matter what happens. Now, I'm not sure um, who exactly will be back. I don't think there's much chance that Melo Trimble's back. Obviously, Rashid Suleiman, Jake Lehman will be gone. Uh, Diamond Stone almost certainly you would think would be gone or things did not go right this year. Um, and then the only one who's a real question is Robert Carter, just seeing how he does. Uh, but he's got NBA talent too. So those guys might all leave. Uh, but remember, Maryland still will have Jared Nickens as a junior, Dion Wiley as a junior, DeMonte Dodd as a senior, Michael Tchaikovsky as a junior, Ivan Bender as a redshirt sophomore, uh, Anthony Cowan and probably more as freshmen. Uh, remember, Anthony Cowan is, uh, you know, though I think he was recently left off ESPN's top 100 list. Uh, he's considered one of the better point guard recruits in the country. Uh, he's drawn more than a couple of comparisons to Trimble. Uh, so I, I think Maryland would be in a pretty decent spot no matter what happens. But it's true um, that this is the last best chance you know, or, or the first best chance um, that Maryland will ever have just because of how the stars have kind of aligned. All right, let's quickly get to baseball, talk about all the Maryland draftees, even though they lost in heartbreaking fashion to Virginia again. Although Karma has them getting killed last night by Vandy. They're playing tonight. Uh, go Vanderbilt. We don't want Virginia to win anything. Uh, some A lot of draftees for Maryland, I think most of them went to the Twins, oddly enough. They're going to join <laughs> Stephon Diggs in Minnesota. All the Maryland fans moved to Minnesota. That would be very exciting. Just talk about... You know, quit, and John Sheff's not leaving the program, which is a good thing. Uh, yeah. Just talk about some of the, the draftees for Maryland as uh, they went to move on to bigger and greater things in, in the farm systems of the Minnesota Twins, mainly. Yeah, I think what's impressive, and, and actually it was two to the Twins and two to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, uh, the best basically baseball there. I think I think the, the rest of them, actually, I'm looking at it, so I know this. You know, There was uh, one to Tampa Bay, one to Houston, and one to the Nationals. Um the thing that jumps out about Maryland's draft class this year, I mean, not only uh, is it quite an achievement to put seven guys uh, in a Major League Baseball draft, but they all went in the first, uh, I think it was the first 18 rounds, or excuse me, the first 24 rounds of that draft. And it was eight players, excuse me, uh, who were drafted. So that's uh, that's a ton. I mean, to, to pack into the top of the draft, these weren't guys who uh, were just kind of scrappy guys who, who just barely snuck in. I mean, these were all players... Um, who were drafted in the top half of the draft, because remember, there's, this is a 50-round event. Um, and they're all players who uh, figure to be very, very legitimate prospects uh, in the organizations they're in, um, particularly the guys who went in the top 10 rounds. And the, the first three picked 
uh, Brandon Lau, the second baseman, Alex Robinson, the pitcher, and Lamont Wade, the outfielder, um, are all going to be guys who are going to probably get a pretty good amount of buzz over the next few years. Um, Wade and Robinson are both in the twin system, which is a great system. Uh, obviously, it just produced Byron Buxton, who's the best prospect in baseball. Um, it's still got Miguel Sano, who's a great power-hitting third-base prospect, and a couple of other pitchers who are in there as well. Um, so it's a really talented system, and those guys are going to be uh, right in the thick of it there. Uh, Lau was one of the best hitters in the country last year, even though he's a tiny second baseman. Uh, despite the problems he had uh, playing some defense in the NCAA tournament, he's a pretty good fielder, uh, and he's got a really good bat for a middle infielder, so that bat should play. Um, and then Kevin Martier, who wasn't listed anywhere in, I think, Baseball America's top 300 or 500, whatever it was, draft prospects, found his way into the top 15 rounds. Uh, got picked by the Houston Astros, power-hitting catcher. Um, so just a lot of really interesting, really, really interesting prospects. Um, and Maryland will have another one next year when, when Mike Schworn, uh, who was one of the best pitchers in the country this year, um, is probably a, a first-round pick next year. And it'll be the first first-round pick Maryland has had, uh, I think, ever, actually. It may be ever. No, no, no. No, no, no. They had one well, in 2002. Who was that? Um, and in 1996. It'll be the first since 2002. That's uh, really- in 2002, they had uh, John McCurdy. He went to the A's, 26 overall, never played in the majors. Um, but, yeah, Maryland has not had a lot of guys um, – find their way that high up into the draft and uh, they'll have one next year so things are looking up for that program i think they still need to get a new stadium built before before they can ever really be um kind of a fixture here um but it's it's exciting to see it it's exciting to see that they've become what they have all of the talk about maryland hitting prospects made me uh very sad because the mets could use a couple of them and they can't hit they could yeah they, they can't hit yeah. Uh, let's not go into that, please. Uh, yeah. By the way, you're leaving tomorrow. Tell everybody where you're going quickly so you can make all of the listeners of this podcast jealous. I uh, am. Yeah, my cousin is getting married uh, across the pond over in London, where I have certainly never been before. Uh, so we're, we're going over there uh, with my brother and my mom and my dad, and we'll be back in, uh, I don't know, I'll be back in like a week or so, a little more. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I would make a soccer comment, but that again, that's another it's, it's podcast. Off, it's out of season, which makes me upset. I it would is, really it is like very to, out of season. I would like to catch a Spurs game or something like yes, that. Yes, correct uh, team. I'm so proud good. of you mentioning that team. Do you know that? Yeah, do you know that I, I I tinker with the Spurs when I play FIFA. I play as the Spurs. Oh, I wouldn't God. say I'm a passionate, wouldn't say I'm a passionate supporter, but that is uh, to the extent that I have a soccer team. That's and soccer. all of the Arsenal supporters listening to this podcast have run and hide. But by the way, hi Skipjack. Hopefully you're listening to this show. You know my He's my right. cousin. Uh, soon to be cousin in law. Uh, the, so the woman that my cousin is marrying is a really big Watford FC fan. Watford uh, Premier League team they just next got season. Premier League team. Yeah, they just season. got a promotion, so that's, that's exciting. Got a they got promotion. They're very interesting. Again, not going to do too much about soccer, but hi, Skipjack. Hopefully you're listening to this, and I can get on your show soon enough. Anyway, that's the last of this show. Thank you, Alex, for coming on and talking about many different things. I'm sorry that we had to wait so long for this. I've been very busy, as you know. Hopefully we won't be too busy in the doldrums of July when absolutely nothing is happening. But it's closer to August, which means it's closer to football training camp. Thank you once again for listening. Make sure you rate us and vote us up on iTunes, Testudo Times Podcast. You can find us also on SoundCloud. We'll have the show posted on here very soon. Thanks again, Alex. Enjoy your trip. Thanks, guys. I will be in Florida for the NHL draft. So if you see me, I'll be wearing a Panthers hat, which is quite. Yes, I am going to that. 
cool. I'm very excited. I'm leaving again. I'm leaving tomorrow. That's why we had to. Get Any word on who the first pick's going to be? Haven't heard much about it. Uh, yeah. Again, another podcast. Let's not get this going too long. We've gotten sidetracked too often. Thank you for listening. And of course, go Terps. And by the way, my house is still standing. No tornadoes.